You are, you are now tuning in to Reform Raza. Our aim is to glorify God through the edification of the saints. Expect practical theology and a draw to be biblical. So if you ask us who we do this for, because this is for the last. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Justin, and today's episode is a bonus episode. This episode was recorded live with The Basement and with our brothers Wayne and Pastor Los. The episode is The Heart of the Gospel, where we talk about Christ and culture. So without further ado, here it is. Yo, yo, back in the basement. Tonight, we got some special guests with us. We said we were going to make it happen, and we all made it happen. Um, it's going to be four of us tonight, and we got a lot to talk about. Me, Pastor Lowe, and our guys from the Reform Rise Up podcast. Well, y'all can y'all can pronounce that the way y'all do. Y'all, y'all do it so good. Reform Rasa. What's going on, brothers? How y'all doing? This is Reform Rasa. Gotta roll them R's. Justin, Justin, and Martin, right? Y'all, y'all. Um, yes, yeah, sir. Why don't y'all tell us a little bit about yourself and what y'all do? Go ahead, Just. Um, well, myself, uh, first and foremost, I am a husband to a beautiful wife. I want to put that out there for my wife to hear, <laughs> babe. I love you. Um, other than corona. that. Uh, we are attending RCLA, Reformed Church of Los Angeles, under Reverend Rudy. So currently, uh, we haven't even told our, our podcast listeners, but uh, we're in the process of becoming a church plant. Yes, so we're sir. going through, uh, so we're going right now through some sessions with that, with the group, City to City. Um, but other than that, I'm a husband, I'm a father, and a podcaster. Yes, sir. My sir, my name is Martin Velasquez, aka Mr. Firme. That just means Mr. Cool in Spanish or in slang Spanish. <laughs> and so, yeah, so we do this podcast called Reformed Raza, where we dedicate about talking biblical theological issues uh, from a Latino perspective for our people uh, that may just be barely coming into theology or barely getting in deeper into the Word of God. We want to be there to guide them through the way, just to encourage them and edify them to get deeper into the Word of God and just guide them through it so that's what we do over here at reform Raza. see a couple people in the comment section what's going on everybody as always we love to hear from you so go ahead and comment in the comment section um we don't like to just bring information to you but we like to start discussions so um feel free to talk in the comment section to us Feel free to ask questions. Feel free to talk to one another in the comment section as long as you're not beefing with one another. We're cool with that. Um, and, uh, you know, just let us know where you're coming from, man. I, I saw someone say they're on Central Time. We're, we're on the East Coast. You guys are on the West Coast. Yes, sir. Um, so, I mean, let, let us know where y'all from, man. State, state, your, uh, state your name, gangster. Let us know where you're from. We love to hear what part of the world you are listening from, so... Uh, feel free to be in the comment section. Go ahead and like the video, comment, and share the video as well. Sharing is caring, as we like to say here in the basement. Where theology meets the thoughts of life. Well, I'm going to get into the intro. 
Um, today's episode is called The Heart of the Gospel. We're going to be discussing the difficulty of being Christian and engaging with culture, our culture, your culture, the many cultures of this world that we're living in. We're going to be dealing with questions like, can we be true to our own culture and serve Jesus at the same time? How do we balance this? Are the scriptures clear on telling us how to engage with the culture around us? And what does the gospel have to say about bringing all of these many cultures together in one church body? We're going to be dealing with a lot today, so feel free to, again, ask questions and comment as we go. But we're going to keep it moving. Um, this is episode 75 of The Basement, and I'm just... I'm excited to, to deal with this topic. Um, I like talking about anything that deals with gospel and culture because we come in contact with these uh these topics we um like all the time we're constantly reflecting on them um we're constantly being challenged and and even convicted in our ways uh would you guys agree with that part first um that we're constantly coming across this topic Oh yeah, this is a conversation that we've lately been having within our own church because we're a multicultural church, so we have a lot of different people from different backgrounds and ethnicities. So this is something that that definitely hits home because not only are we, are we a multicultural church, uh, we're reformed too, and so the the main uh, reform tradition is mainly you know white American, and here we are coming from the hood, you know. And so our, our clash is like, man, how do we deal with both, you know, sides of, of, of this Christian coin? You know what I mean? I, I'm reformed. We hold to the same doctrine, but I also have my culture, too. You know what I mean? So how do we deal with that? Yeah, it's yeah. almost like the the Selena paradigm. But for us as 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 Christians, where uh, uh, I believe it was her father that told her in the movie, right? That uh, we had to be more Mexican than the Mexicans And we had to be more American than the Americans Facts man And then for us that come into Christianity More specifically reformed uh, circles We're bringing our culture At the same time we also want to remain true and biblical to the word of God So we're trying to almost in a way Be more cultural but at the same time be more Try reformed. to be more educated in yeah. the word of God um, so that you know we don't have opposition against us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Los? You're 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 a pastor, and I'm sure you come in contact. You know, come 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 across this question a lot. Yeah. So yeah, I would say you know for me, what's been helpful is to remember that being theological, being biblical, is transcends culture. Mm-hmm. You know, and so culture subject to our theology. Um, number one it doesn't mean we get rid of our culture though either yeah. you know and I mm-hmm. think that's been that's been that's been the, that's been what's been tricky you know what I'm saying because uh, in the reform faith it's been predominantly historically speaking you know uh, white and now that we're coming in uh, you know the questions are being asked what do we do with our culture mm-hmm. what do we do with our way of doing things you know and uh, it looks different and uh, thankfully, there's been brothers and sisters in the faith that understand that. My denomination in particular has been very helpful to be very open to us as a culture. Um, but we've also been very aggressively like just letting them know we are reformed. 
Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's who we are. That's what we believe. Even though we look culturally different, uh, as far as our theology, we're on, we're on board. And I think to them that that's what matters most, that, you know, we're biblical. So, absolutely. Well, we might as well just jump into the topic today, man. Um, seeing that it's something that we come across all the time, this is important how we engage with this uh, type of topic, how we start off. Uh, so let's lay the foundation a little bit. Uh, Pastor Lowe's, could you leave this discussion and just answer the question? And I put it in the comment section for those of you that are watching right now. Feel free to answer that. Uh, the question is, how do we determine whether we are being godly or being worldly? Yeah. Right. So I came up with a definition. I think that's helpful. I looked up some passages and I let the, I let the scripture dictate how I define the term. Mm-hmm. Um, so godliness, I'm going to start with that. Uh, my definition of this from seeing scripture is a life of reverence for God that is evidenced by conformity to his commands and a pursuit for the things that are not of this world. Mm-hmm. All right. So a life of reverence for God that is evidenced by conformity to his commands and a pursuit for the things that are not of this world. And so First uh, Timothy 4, 7 through 8, you know, uh, Paul told Timothy to train for godliness in that passage there. Uh, Paul being a spiritual father, Timothy was concerned for his walk, for the things that he would face. Um, because he even promised that Timothy and other believers would face the very same things that Paul faced. But he wanted them to uh, be concerned with their personal holiness. You know what I mean? Um, their godliness. He said, train yourself for godliness for while the body is of some value, he says, Godliness is of value in every way. So godliness is far more important than, you know, lifting weights in the gym, as an example, or anything of the body, you know, what you eat, what you wear, Jesus said, right? Then he says, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. You know, and that, you're going to start seeing that pattern here. In First Timothy 6, 2-7, Paul tells Timothy, godliness is not a means of gain. Right when it comes to how the world sees it, right? Because he does says, uh, you know, about those who uh, do, don't believe, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil, suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. And then he says, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. That's what worldly people do with godliness. But godliness, he says, with contentment is great gain. Okay, so godliness isn't gain. It's when you have godliness with contentment. And then in verse 7 of 1 Timothy 6, he says, for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. All right? And then he tells Timothy to pursue godliness. And 1 Timothy 6, 11, something that he should pursue, something that he should go after. And then in 2 Timothy uh, 3, verses 1 through 5, godliness demands proof. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you say you're godly, then you should have fruit, bear fruit of that godliness. You know, because he says, uh, of those who are reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, he says, they have the appearance of godliness, but they deny its power. Mm-hmm. By the way they live yeah you know and so that's you know very important when we talk about personal holiness and godly living paul tells timothy that godliness promises persecution we see that in second timothy 3 12. 
mm-hmm. right? And so that's why I came up with the definition, a life of reverence for God that is evident by conformity to his commands and a pursuit for the things that are not of this world. And then worldliness, I defined it as a life of disobedience that is evidenced by not conforming to God's command where one loves and pursues the things of the world. Okay, so worldliness proves that one does not have the love of God. You see that in 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Mm -hmm. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, he's telling you what's in the world, and the desires of the eyes and and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Again, it, you know, you see this warning about, you know, being of the world. It's all going to pass away. All its desires, everything that's desirable in it will pass away. But the will of God abides forever. And so Paul also talks about conformity to the world, which proves that one has not been transformed. Romans 12, 1 and 2. You guys know the scripture very well. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. All right? And so you do see this pattern where the focus on worldliness is on what the world offers and pursuing that rather than pursuing godliness. Worldliness is proven by a preoccupation of obtaining the things of the world. James 4, 1 1 and 4 actually warns us where he uh, talks about you covet and cannot obtain. Um, And then he says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And the prerequisite to that is coveting and obtaining the things of the world. That's what causes quarrels and fights among us. Is when we covet the things of the world, when we try to obtain the things of the world, you're not being godly. You're being worldly. Mm. Right? And so those definitions were helpful for me. And how do we determine we are being godly or being worldly? I think it comes down to what are you pursuing? Mm. You know, are you pursuing the things of the world? Are you pursuing identity with the world or value in the world or the things of the world, the material things of the world? Or are you of a of another world? You know, you're pursuing the things that are above. And that will reveal itself in what you value, you know. Jesus said, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Hmm. Right? And so what are you treasuring at the end of the day? And that will come out in the way you live. And so that's what I would say. I think that's uh, biblical. I think that's what I saw in Scripture pertaining to the two things. Godliness being a life of reverence for God and worldliness really uh, a life of disobedience. Praise the Lord. Word. Justin and Martin, man, what y'all thoughts on that? That's that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot, but that's a lot of goodness, man. It's good yeah, to start off yeah. with, like just laying the foundation right there, so y'all know. Like when we're dealing with culture, it's always trying to find what is worldly culture. With you know, how do you throw godliness in with all of this? How do you determine these things? So, mm-hmm. um, what were you guys' thoughts on all that? I think it was a very good um, definition and the breakdown that Pastor Los just gave because. Um, most of the time when we think about worldliness, we're thinking about, you know, uh, I'm being worldly if I go to a movie or go to mm-hmm. a concert or listen to certain types of music. And that's not godly. So you can't do that, especially with the background of a lot of um, urban or Latino people come from usually Pentecostal. Right. right? So they're very strict on uh 
on holiness on the fact on appearance wise so you know you gotta dress apart you gotta you know wear your suit and the scissors have to have the long skirts and they gotta look the part and to them you're considered to be holy and and not of the world but what pastor Lowe's just described is more of, of conformity to christ's character because you can look the part all, all day long but still be caught up in some sin, secret sin. So the matters of the heart are very important in this in this topic right here because we just like to look on the outside, but Jesus always focused on the inside of the heart of man. And that's the focus right there. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was awesome how you laid that out first. Because just, just like Martin, I mean, we see these terms godly and worldly and right away we think of just actions. Right. Not not conforming to the word of God, not conforming to the world and its patterns and its ways. Uh, we think of just actions. We think of, oh, well, uh, I, I'm worldly because, you know, let's say I, I listen to the secular rap. Now I'm worldly. Yeah. Or, or I do X, Y and Z. But yet I'm, I'm worldly. But then we look at the Pharisees in New Testament who didn't do any of that stuff. Right. They would be considered godly from that type of perspective. Mm hmm. But yet Jesus would point them out and saying that they were like their father, the devil. And, and so bringing that, that definition, grounding us right now before getting into anything is, is awesome because now, now we have the scope. Okay, this is what godly is. This is what worldly is. Now, how do we navigate the two? And I know later in the discussion, we started talking about culture, right? Ethnic culture more specifically. And, and then also too with culture just in 2020 and where we're at today, um, some some would even say ethnic culture would be worldly and that we should drop all of it all together mm-hmm. definitely a big debate and yeah. yeah you're right um it is good to start off with defining where the markers are when it comes to worldliness and godliness um because going forward we're going to be talking about some debatable issues yeah so let, let's go forward <laughs> with this second question that i have for you guys and i'll see you guys in the comment section um, shout out to y'all and shout out to the uh, the Facebook group that we have, um, the basement. Um, you can check us out. I ask these questions that I'm asking you guys. I ask them in the Facebook group that we have um, as well, and we get all types of answers in there. But yeah, I saw some really good ones there today, and I'll probably go through them a little bit later. But um, second question I have, and you guys can start this one off. How can we have a heart and passion to want to save souls and not compromise? Or become stained by the sin of the world. So this is dealing with more of like becoming involved with the world because we want to save souls without conforming to the ways of the world. How do we navigate with this right here? Uh, I think honestly, it really begins with us personally. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I would have thought about it differently maybe a year ago, but just more recently, uh, God has well just. Through, through his word and even just through the city to city church planning uh, it to, to go on a little tangent real quick uh, we had a little conference we met with other church planners and you know a couple days already went by and and for church planting right we haven't even talked about church planting yet the whole time we were just talking about idols of the heart and beginning with self-reflection, self-evaluation before we can even get to any of that stuff because it always begins with us because wherever uh, we are at in, in um, however balanced we are, uh, hashtag Kurt, uh, wherever we are at, right? It will come out from us and it will be displayed amongst those and everything that we're involved in. 
And so yeah. uh, going back to the question, um, how can we have a heart and passion to want to save souls and not compromise and become stained by the sin of the world? Um, it, it just takes a lot of inner reflection of reading through the word, being renewed by the word, right? So we see in, I believe it's First Peter 3. Uh, I could be wrong. Don't quote me. Um, but how husbands are to love wives and that they are um, to to continue to wash their wives with the washing of the word as Christ has done so with the church. And so we can expect ourselves to grow passion and, and a love for the community around us or even just to want to even just help other people around us if we ourselves are not even in our word. We need to be continually washed daily that, that, that we would continue to be renewed in our mind and our thinking so that we can be able to do so in, in a way that is uh, God glorifying, that would be more aimed towards him. And so that way we can remain godly while being able to pursue, to help a uh, neighbor around us. Yeah, and uh, it really starts from uh, regeneration. You know, since God has transformed our hearts and has renewed us and given us new life in him, uh, we dig into the script, right? We dig into the scriptures and we grow in godliness and, you know, we we uh, uh, conform our character towards Christ. And when we hit the streets or evangelize, uh, we're already ready in the in the mind of Christ. Um, having, you know, to deal with temptation, things like that. Um, the grace of God is there for us, you know what I mean? Um, it's not a sin to be tempted or anything like that. It's a sin to give in to the temptation. So when we go out there and, and evangelize, we know that we're going like sheep amongst wolves. You know, we, we're already prepared, especially if you're evangelizing in the hood or anything like that. Like, we, I come from the hood, so to go back is, is something that that is my desire but with a different state of mind walking the same streets or dealing with the same people with a different mentality having the mind of Christ saying hey I once was lost and now Christ has redeemed me and has found me but it's all about holding on to the word of God and uh, Philippians chapter 2 says do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world so I mean the scriptures tell us that we're in the midst of a crooked and, and twisted generation that, that shouldn't be no surprise to any believer now how, how are we going to respond to to the world you know we grasp to to the word of life you know bearing the fruit of the spirit being in daily fellowship with the lord daily fellowship with other believers so that you may be built up so that when you go out there you may be able to preach the word of god boldly soundly and you know without fear sometimes you know because it's a scary thing to go out there and evangelize sometimes you know but it's all about holding on to the word of god you know what i mean yeah. that the that christ may do his work in you in order for you to go out there and and reach souls for him i mean i think that's what it's all about right there yeah, and even just pointing back to the first timothy chapter 4 towards the end around verse 15 when uh he urges timothy to immerse yourself in these things and then and then after that he goes on to say and then keep watch over yourself and your teaching mm -hmm. so in the same way let us immerse ourselves in love purity and and everything else that he went on to list and the word of god and at the same time to keep an eye out for ourselves as well that we may continue to evaluate ourselves all the time what are our motives in doing these yeah things? yeah because first john ends with my children keep yourselves from idols 
Yeah. It's like it almost seems random at first when you read through the whole book and like why is he saying this? He's been dealing with the heart this whole time. Yeah. And he's been dealing with with issues that that deeply uh, impact our own personal walks. And so as we're being conformed to the image of Christ, we're being our own hearts are being revealed to ourselves. And as we you know, as God the Holy Spirit works in us, um, those things are constantly being chopped down so that when we get out there, we're not you know going out there you know vulnerable or something. We know what we're getting ourselves into. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean. I- when it comes to these questions right here, the reason why, and, and you guys will see as we go forward, I think this is an ongoing conversation that we're going to continue to have with yeah. Christians and culture. Oh, yeah. Um, and all of these questions are going to roll right into the next. So the fact that we go from what is worldliness, what is godliness, and then getting into how to be passionate about saving souls without becoming stained by the world, and then going to this next question it just makes so much sense that i would ask this next question which is is there a such thing as sacred sacred culture and secular culture and how do we balance being cultured and being christian <laughs> i love the rest of the questions man i love the rest of the questions man because these are conversations that is how you said are ongoing and i think um I'm, I'm, I'm about to say something that maybe people might not agree with, but I praise God for this year. I praise God for the things that have happened this year because it's it really made people really um, deal with these questions. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, with, with yeah. Earlier in the year, with all the riots and all the protests going on, and people had to deal with, with certain to- topics and issues that weren't being dealt with. Until it came to the table mm-hmm. And I feel like this is something that That is coming to the table of Christianity How do we deal with these things How do we deal uh, Balancing culture and Christ And I think that um, You don't have to leave your culture You know what I mean To, to, to be uh, a Christian um, So as far as sacred culture And secular culture um, Christianity the, Our faith I think is a sacred faith. I think it's something that we hold on to dearly. We hold on. We hold Jesus as precious to us, as First uh, Peter says. You know, like like precious faith. It is pre- precious to us, and it is sacred to us. Something that we take uh, seriously as Christians. You know, who we are in Christ and our, our identity in Him. But we can't escape uh, secularism. We're in a secular world. We're we're in a in, in a country that is secular. You know, America is not a Christian country. It is secular, so we we do hold on um, uh, to to both to our faith and our culture, because I, where, where I come from, uh, Mexican culture, we have deep, rich, you know, traditions and and just the overall feel of what it is to be Mexican, and when we come into you know. Uh, the Reformed faith, we almost we feel like we almost have to conform to their image. To be accepted by them but you know there there's there there are reformed churches in mexico and i don't think they look like american yeah. churches you know what i mean uh they they're within their own culture they practice the reformed faith and so we we even have uh presbyterian churches and in, in colombia and peru that, that, that within their own culture they are practice practicing the presbyterian tradition you know what i mean and so um 
there there is i think a sacred culture which is our faith i would call that and there is a secular culture but the scriptures tell us not to be conformed to the world as you pastor Lose explained you know what i mean uh we're not to be we're not to walk as the gentiles walk being darkened in their mind we don't hold to the same philosophies we don't hold to the same thoughts and worldviews as 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 the world does we, we hold a biblical worldview and the scripture is our standard god is our standard for everything that we do the scriptures are our standard for faith and practice so um yeah, i would say yeah you know what i mean and the balance of being cultured is is it's an ongoing conversation because we can't um there are some things in each culture that we can't partake in yeah. There's some things, especially in the Mexican culture, um, the, the Virgin Mary is highly exalted. You know what I mean? Uh, we have uh, people baptizing their kids and they don't even know why in the Catholic Church. Like, I just, my parents did it to me, I'm doing it to my kids. It just becomes part of the tradition. And we as Christians be like, no, we can't do those kind of things because I'm a Christian. So there is a, a line that, that we don't cross because uh, of our faith. Yeah, gotcha. Good. Justin, were you going to say something? I saw you pick up the Bible. I didn't know if you were. Okay, all right. No, I already <laughs> I had it in my hands. I just put it back down. For oh, a second. okay. Yeah, got yeah. you, got you. Got you, got you, got you. Lo, did you have anything to say on this one? Um, it's so many different so many different perspectives to go through tonight. I don't want to skip y'all, so I'm just going mm-hmm. around the room and asking. Um, yeah. If you don't, that's fine. We can move on. Um, well, I think it's important to, to say, too, that just because you don't look like the world doesn't mean you're not of it. Exactly. Mm. You know what I mean? Because you can you can be Christian on the outside, quote unquote Christian. Um, so I, God's not concerned with culturally how we look like. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think in the scriptures it's very clear that once we become a part of the body of Christ, our identity primarily comes from being Christian, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not being Hispanic or white or anything, but the subset to, to to being Christian at times is, uh, you know, our color, our culture and things like that, which have an impact on how we express that. You know what I'm saying? And so I think the expression looks differently. That's, you know, one thing. But the conviction of being a Christian is another thing. That's where yeah. we have to be on the same page. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So there are things we have to dump from our culture that we can't take with us. That's mm-hmm. any culture. Yeah. Um, but there is a difference between our conviction and our expression mm-hmm. and our expression mainly comes from our culture but if it's in violation of you know our conviction mm-hmm. then we gotta pull back and say we can't rock with that mm-hmm. you know and so every culture you end up dumping things because you know it, that's just the byproduct of a fallen world you know yeah. so I, I think I think when you start putting things into the Christian faith like legalism, you know, uh, wearing certain clothes or whatever, things that the scriptures don't prescribe, uh, that's when you run into danger. I think there's a culture within that that we see in the church. You know what I mean? So I would say just uh, sometimes it's not healthy to preoccupy yourself with cultural issues uh, rather than, you know, issues of conviction. Um, And then, uh, you know... uh, when I challenge other brothers and sisters in Christ who look culturally different than than us in particular, is that let's just go, uh, use the Bible as the the standard. You know, does it forbid? You know, uh, you know, me wearing a shirt 
you know, when I'm preaching, mm. you know, saying, does it forbid that? You know, what if I, in the wintertime, wear a pair of Tim's when I go up and preach, mm-hmm. you know? Um, you know, now I'm not, you know, of course, if I'm going to another church and I'm, I'm a guest speaker, which that happened this last fall, I'm going to dress appropriately because I understand there's a standard and I respect that. But to impose that and call that Christian, you know, I mm-hmm. think that's where you run into a lot of danger, you know, so... Yeah, yeah. I remember even me and you were Zoom videoing yesterday and you had on a, a hoodie. <laughs> right. <laughs> you want to tell them what that hoodie said? <laughs> uh, I forgot, actually. Uh, it was something along the lines of, I know I don't look like a pastor, but I am. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, forget, I forget I have that on sometimes. I go to Walmart with it and people look at me weird. I'm just like, what are you looking at? <laughs> yeah, I'm a pastor. Yeah. I get that a lot, bro. Like, when people hear I'm a pastor, like, what? You know, and they see the Tim's, they see the beard, and they're like, that, you're not supposed to look like that. Where did he get that from? Mm-hmm. You know, it comes from this false idea yeah. of a standard that I think we've imposed on as, and call it Christian. You know, it's almost like, a, 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 you know, we we created these labels, you know, in, in a church that aren't even biblical. Um, yeah. So it, it, along with avoiding the things of the world, which is important, um, and avoiding cultural things that are in violation of our conviction, we have to be careful where we're trying to rebrand things and call them Christian too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That can become a culture within itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think actually it has become a culture within itself because right away when when you hear Christian, you already think of a certain stereotype or a standard now. You know what I mean? A, a lot of right. a lot of especially how the mega church scene has blown up. Now you think about Christianity, you think about mega churches now. And that has become something right. that is normal now, you know, and to, to the point that people don't want to go to a regular, just, you know, uh, old school kind of church. They want to go to the ch- concert scene and have all that. So there has there has it has shifted Christianity. The Christian culture has shifted to the point where um, now even people that are not believers, they hold to a certain standard that you have to meet as a Christian. You know, I thought, I thought right. you were a Christian. I thought you were this. I thought you were that. It's like, man, right. you don't even know. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, I think it has right. become, and a lot of traditions have come into the church. And that's a lot of traditions. And the people that, that, you know, I've heard James White say this a lot, you know, the people who, are, who say that they're not traditional hold to the most traditions. I think that's very true. <laughs> very true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the Mandalorian. Hey, here we go. That's some good culture right there. <laughs> hey, he was willing to give up his culture, man, to, to do what he had All to do. All his traditions. Yeah. Well, spoiler alert. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Nah, you're good. If you guys have not watched the last episode of Mandalorian, you got to go check it out. Yeah, for real. You could preach You could preach a whole sermon from, from this season's uh, content. For real. For real. <laughs> Yeah, this is a good conversation right here because it's like I, I've even seen people get surprised whenever I tell them I'm reformed. They're like, "Wait, wait, what? You hold to like the doctrines of yeah, yeah, I do." And they're like, "Wow, what, what, what got you into it?" And I've had real because I work at a nursing home, so the people that I take care of they're elderly, and I work for a nursing home that has you know you gotta have some money to live there. Either you gotta have some money or your family has some money to put you in there yeah. in this nursing home. So you're dealing with people that are more along the wealthy side of things and 
you know, so they're definitely not from my culture because I come from a broke, poor culture. So <laughs> two different cultures there. And then I'm able to talk with them and I'm telling them, yeah, I hold to the doctrines of grace. And then we get into the conversation and they just can't believe it. They're like, what? Um, because they did not see that happening when they were coming up in the faith. Mm. So Man. them having to reform traditions and then seeing that it's being embraced by people that don't look like them at all and, yep. and aren't like them, they're like, what? Yeah. Hey. And I did I did college ministry for a long time. The hardest kids to reach on campus was the church kids. Mm. They were like, you're a pastor? Your church does what? I'm not going there. And they were living worldly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? At the same time, it's like they had this high standard of what a church should look like, but then they're living godless lives, you know, unfruitful lives. It's like they were the hardest to reach. Mm. And they were given a false view, a false idea of, you know, what a church looks like. You know, so man, I got, I got a question for Wayne real quick about what he said, man. So you said that yeah. this elderly lady was surprised that you were reformed. Why why do you think that is? Again, because they're they're not used to seeing people that are outside of their culture embrace these things. Mm-hmm. It would be similar to me. Uh, it, it would be similar like if a person told me, um, like if if I saw someone who didn't look like me. Let me just start giving specifics. And I, if I saw an older white man come up to me and start quoting some T.D. Jakes, I would be surprised. I'd be like, <laughs> what? What do you know about T.D.? You know what I mean? Like, what do you know about Minister Jakes? Like, what do you know about those things and, and, and those things that I come from? I'm not used to seeing that. So, I mean, I can only imagine what it's going to be like 50 years from now, God willing, you know. Um, mm-hmm. We live to see that long, what it's going to be like. Um, when we see... Um, I was even surprised that, you know, in Dominican Republic when you went um, just recently on the mission trip you told me that there were a few reformed churches in the area oh yeah and it did and I'm guaranteed they're the way they do things doesn't 100% look like what we do over here in reformed churches yeah actually some of them do you know and but I mean like 100% yeah I know what you obviously mean obviously yeah, culture absolutely. plays yeah yeah they, look, they definitely look differently but there's that cultural pressure being put on those churches to do it to be a certain way right it, you know so the, the thing is the reformed faith you know and again you know i can say this because i'm i'm reformed i think that there is this almost unspoken rule and pressure that this is the way we look yeah. and and uh you know what i'm saying it, it's hard it's hard to deal with that because historically they have hundreds of years of like this is the way we've done it and but then at the same time you know I haven't my culture hasn't been a part of that culture you know what I'm saying I'm coming from a whole different camp culturally um, so that's where the challenge begins and I think uh, again I, I want to credit the Bible Fellowship Church for understanding that tension you know like they're cool they understand it's different and they actually celebrate that difference you know, and I think that's important is I think um, biblically you do see Paul uh, and others, the apostles have a culture, you know, where it looks different than European uh, Christianity, you know. So they, there's a variety and we should celebrate that rather than be fun. You know? and, and man, this yeah. is this is this is my lane right here, because I mean, I'm going to be real. I'm going to be straight out. The, the, the white reformed church has neglected the, the hood, the inner cities. 
And that's just real. We're in 2020, and we're barely seeing an uprising of urban, of colored, of diverse people coming into the Reformed faith. And that's only because of YouTube. A lot of people that I that that I've met mm-hmm. that are that are urban or are Latino, it's because oh they ran into a Paul Washer sermon, or they ran into a Macha MacArthur sermon, or they ran into <laughs> something on YouTube, and they heard. They John heard, Piper. Yeah, exactly. We all have our, our theologian that we heard that got us more interested. Because we never heard these kind of things before. We never heard, you know, the doctrine of justification by faith preached in Latino churches. We never heard about these concepts or propitiation or the wrath of God falling on Jesus. We never heard these things. So when we hear these things, it catches us. And as we dig deeper, we find that there are, are terms and there are labels to the point where you run into, you know, study, then you run into the Protestant Reformation and you think about all this and you're like, man, this is stuff that, that I believe in. And then you, you casually just grow into the Reformed uh, reform faith. But then all of a sudden, like it happened with me, you look around and be like, how come uh, my fellow, you know, um, uh, brothers and sisters that look like me have the same skin tone. How come they're not learning these things? How come these things are being preached? It's because the Reformed Church hasn't eva- evangelized to the hoods. They do a really good job of going to third world countries. You know what I mean? They have a good job of going through Latino America and and and, and establishing Reformed churches, but they haven't neglected to come into the hoods and 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 share their, uh, the Reformed faith or even the gospel to to hood people like us. And I think that's something that, that's, that they're going to have to deal with now because there is an uprising. There is a, a large majority of us coming into the Reformed faith. And then when we come into their churches, we feel like, oh, man, now I got to wear skinny jeans. Now I got to look the part. You know what I mean? And almost like come over. To, yeah, almost like, you know, I have to grow my hair out because I'm bald now or something, you know. Now, now I got to conform <laughs> my, my, my image to the way that I'll be accepted in them. And I understand not all of them, not everybody's like that, you know, um, they're loving and they're caring also but we almost get that sentiment that we have to change who we are in order to be accepted by them and there's a lot of us coming to the to the reformed faith that's saying hey it doesn't have to be like this i can still be 100 percent chicano latino mexicano and still uh hold to you know the doctrines of grace and and hold and and be a presbyterian or whatever it is and baptize my babies hashtag baptize your babies and then just be a, a, a typical reform you know a person you know what i mean and i think that's a struggle that yeah. many people are, are having to face right now and 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 the yeah. reform church is gonna have to deal with it because we also have with it uh the crosses that we carry as as Kirk Kennedy says, man, that we we have you know, we we deal with racism on the daily. We deal with social issues that typically you know the American church neglects or doesn't want to deal with. You know what I mean? And we were dealing with these issues, so now there is a cultural cat clash. But yet, if we're of the yeah. body of Christ, then we can work yeah. these we can work these things out together. It takes humility on both our ends to come together. Yeah, I think in it, one faith. Yeah. I wanted to add too, I think it's for us who are coming into reformed faith or already in it, um, we have to accept the reality, you know, that we have to work very hard, you know what I'm saying, to um, make, almost like to pave the way for others, you mm-hmm. know, after us, because this is, this is kind of new still, you know, for us of color. And um, I'm okay with that. And sometimes I'm not okay with that. Sometimes I feel like, why do I have to watch you know, how actors say, or why can't I just be myself? Um, because, uh, you know, um, 
there is a lot of cultural misunderstanding that happens. I've experienced it where, you know, I'll say something a certain way and it's looked at a certain way and it's like, hmm. but you know what? Maybe I need to be sensitive to that a little bit better um, and even not say certain things in the meantime, uh, you know, and again, not all the time, but I, I guess what I'm saying is being mindful of the cultural differences and misunderstandings, I think, from our end is important so that we can pave yeah. the way for others that, you know, walk after us. You know what I mean? So, the Bible Fellowship Church is an example. I go back to them a lot. They're still very new to inner city ministry. You know what I'm saying? And uh, our church, we thrive in it because that's our culture. That's mm-hmm. our background. And God is blessing that. And they're enjoying that. They're yeah. learning from that. You know? And so, but there's a lot of misunderstandings and things that take place along the way. So I, what I want to say to our Reformed brothers and sisters of color that I want to say, be okay with working hard to make it uh, possible for, for for people that aren't of color to come in, you know, into who we are, and at the same time understand that we are also paving the way for really a generation yeah. uh, of people where we've been deprived of, you know, sound doctrine and reform theology. You know, we're paving the way, and I think the Lord is blessing that in the meantime. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's important to be mindful of as we move forward, you know, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's where the blessing of 2020 has come in because it has really just exposed a lot of uh, hidden, uh, I don't know, idolatry or just just hidden things within the hearts of just the the body of Christ, the church in America, more specifically Western uh, America, right? Um, that really mm-hmm. the, there are these things that have not been worked out, and now they're being brought to the light. Mm-hmm. It was almost like a marriage when, you know, years down the line, the past gets brought up and they have to work through it in order to continue moving forward. Mm-hmm. And we as the church in reform circles and, and Christianity, we need to work through these things so that we could walk, continue to move forward together. And especially with, you know, everything that has happened within 2020, right? Because you, you let a, a Latino in, right, into the reform circle and you say bring your family he's gonna bring all his family right <laughs> and in yeah. the same way all you know we were seeing 2020 even as far back as like 2019 well just us personally we have seen just man just a, a number of just latinos coming into the reformed faith and we're we're being in in the time today of, of just um during this time of just seeing a reformation happen within the Latino community, as far as the black community, as far as other communities as well, we're seeing the the minorities just coming into this faith. And I feel like it's almost as if, um, when in the scriptures, it goes on to point out the weaker brother, how um, the weaker brother is the one that presses his convictions over the other one. And I feel like in, in this, in, in almost the same tone, that is almost being applied today when when we have you know us coming in with with culture we're coming in with with um ethnic culture right but it's almost as if their conviction is being pressed on us to let all that go so that we have to conform to whatever culture they have already had for decades within the reform circles yeah you know what this conversation is bringing up it's bringing up you know that we, we focus a lot on not being conformed to the world, but we have a lot of issues in the church too yeah. that we got to deal with. You know what I'm saying? So like, 
we're, you know, I understand I'm not a part of the world. I'm not conforming to it. But, you know, I think, yeah, so we understand that. I think sometimes what we don't understand is the work that still needs to be done within the church. Uh, as it, We're not called to conform to the world, but we are called to reform things in the church. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I, the, the Reformation is continuing. You know, yeah. Semper. Mm-hmm. Reformation. Uh, right. And, and so, you know what I mean? So, like, that continual need to reform, I think, is, is another. And I think culturally speaking, I think it's something we need to continue to do. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, kind of bring it back to what Justin said earlier. He said, um, with the Selena quote, us coming into the reformed faith like this, like we're, we still live with the reality of being minorities outside of that. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have to be more reformed than reformed. And also at the same time, be true to whatever that culture it is that we come from. Mm -hmm. It's constantly having to, you know, check ourselves and say, hey, have I assimilated into a culture that's not mine um, just so I can fit in? Or am I being true to, you know, still to who I am as a Christian minority? These are questions that we constantly got to ask ourselves. So that leads me up to my next question which is question number four. And by the way, we're I'm realizing with the time here, we're going to have to do a part two to this or something because yeah. we, we've only been through three questions, guys. <laughs> we literally, <laughs> we have eight questions to get through and we've only been through three of them and we're 50 minutes in. So y'all do part two then, man. Absolutely. So question number four, and I'm going to throw it in the comment section right now because I think this kind of, and before I even post it, let me answer, um, let me answer Reek's question. Yeah, I saw that. He said, why is this so new to our minority communities mm-hmm. if reform doctrines are the truth? Why is it so new then? Why is it just coming into our cultures if this is the truth? Yeah. Why is this new to us? He you might want to take a jump. Well, he, also, that? he I mean, after that, he said, have our foundation, has our, has our foundation been false, right? On mm. false doctrine? Mm. You know, so... Yeah. I, yeah. Anybody want to take a jump look, and stand look, at that one yeah, right there? I yeah, mean, <laughs> I, I think I think two reasons why. Um, one I mentioned earlier is because um, reformed churches haven't evangelized to the hood, and uh, typically churches in the hood are very. Um, they have their own tradition. They have their own uh, legalism. That when these things come through, there's a clash. So you know, I come. Mm-hmm. I, I grew up in in a Hispanic uh, Pentecostal church. And so it's it's very different from the Reformed faith. So people who have been mm-hmm. in in these kind of churches their whole lives, um, then they hear you know the word Calvinism. It's a curse word. It's a it's a it's a oh, curse wow. word in the Pentecostal church. Mm-hmm. And so when you come with yeah. different points of view doctrinally, there's a big clash to the point where. Calvinism is the devil. You're you're identifying with the man and word of Christ, and there's an immediate clash right there. And so, I mean, um, they, they, these are are issues that, that have to be deal, dealt with that haven't been dealt with. That, that, that's I think that's the whole point of this conversation that there need, needs to be a unity within the body of Christ. Like, am, am I really being a heretic because I hold to the five points? Because I use words like election and predestination, but that's the ultimate sin in in urban, urban churches. It, it really is, you yeah. know what I mean? It really yeah, is. Up. So if we yeah. come like that, 
then of course there's going to be opposition. And so, I mean, I think God is just bringing these issues to light that we need to deal with it. And 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 then on the reverse side, you know, Reformed people see Pentecostals as heretics as well. You know. And they're just oh they be jumping around in church and you know all these things and and yeah some of it is out there and, and funky and, and weird but there is a sound Pentecostal faith too you know what I mean they are brothers and sisters yeah. in the Lord also yeah so how we need both we need to both humble ourselves on both sides and and really be yeah. like you know what we we are one body and 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 we should be one body one mind and one accord. And it hasn't happened that way, and so I, I think that's why it hasn't, it hasn't. Um, it's new to to our community because the class it, has just yeah. been too hard. I, I think it also comes from, like I said, from both sides as well, in in, in a different sense. As far as um, it may seem new, from let's say on the receiving end, those who are just hearing about the reformed theology and and just even just in general, just that um, maybe because we haven't really read the word in its entirety because i could say from my own experience of being in a non-denominational is you know just you know i open up the bible to whoever my hand touches and and that's my word for the day or i read the proverbs every day and that's pretty much it or i'll use scriptures here and there uh pick and choose but never have i really i mean it wasn't really until i got into i started getting into reformed theology after paul washer um that I started reading a whole book of the Bible. I started reading books at a time instead of just one scripture here, uh, just for my day. But instead, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm gonna read it from from front to back and see the whole. And, yeah. and 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 you hear of testimonies too of people who haven't heard of anything from Reformed theology who just dug into the Word on their own and they saw the the Word illuminated. And when they hear of Reformed theology, they're like, yeah, I I agree with that because they've already known from the word. I mean, Martin Luther didn't hear anything about reformed theology. <laughs> All he did was just pick up yeah. his Bible and just read it, you know, in its entirety for the first time on his own. And it's in the same way. I think that that's where the air is maybe on the receiving end as well is maybe we have not really dug into the word as we say we have. And then also on the other <clears> end, on the ones that have had reformed theology, they, they're stuck in their own little circles. They have yet to venture yeah. out um and and really to be identified with people that don't look like them and that and that yeah, and that's straight out you know it, it's it's difficult because i can even say it with my own self i i grew up in a home where uh, my mom's side of the family was was well okay so my mom is half white so so her mother is mexican but her father is irish and so on on my mom's side of the family it's it's mainly just um it, it's 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 all my my white family over there but then on my dad's side of the family uh he's straight from mexico everybody's just you know sleeping in living rooms you know everyone's packed down into one house right so we have we have that and so me growing up i went back and forth on holidays between both different cultures and so i find myself having almost to to hide who i am on my dad's side of the family when i go over to my mom's side of the family almost as a way like i need to conform to to this way but then when i'm when i'm back on my dad's side of the family i'm i'm loose i'm you know i'm who i am right it's almost like that when yeah. we have a new friend that comes over to the house we clean up we move things around we make everything look nice uh, just to please them 
And in the same way, I feel like with with our culture, when we come in, we have to try to please them. We have to please not not saying that that uh, they are purposely doing, but we feel in our own self that we have to please uh, somebody else. We have to please somebody within the reform. A circle or or wherever we go into right we, we feel like we have to please them in a way that we have to dress ourselves up make ourselves look nice and so i feel like that's why there has been a disconnect for decades because no one has tried to reach the other one in a way of identifying together as christ as the church because on one end it's yeah. like you said it's like a it's a cuss word calvinism it's of the devil it's false don't don't do anything and if you and if you try to teach that here you're out you're excommunicated from the church yeah for real and then on the other side is they don't know the word of god they're doing it all wrong but yet i'm gonna stay over here and not tell them how to do it correctly yeah that's good yeah yeah i was just looking at some of the comment section uh some of the comment section just lynette uh your wife she said uh she said um we need what is that she said we need stand we need stand to talk about how historically our hoods were for the most part pentecostal yeah um i mean i think everybody pentecostal right you guys yeah. background mm-hmm. pentecostal both well no yeah, non-denominational one, but yeah. Yeah. yeah right non-denominational pentecostal pentecostal I didn't grow up in church. Oh, right. He's in. Um, <laughs> well, I didn't grow up in church either, but when I first, when, uh, when the Lord saved me, I, I was in a non-denom- non-denominational church for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Yeah. When I came to yeah. Christ. Well, no, I, I went into a church of God in Christ church, a black church. The first uh, year or two, I was in, in the black church. And then I went into a non-denominational, uh, you know, yeah, church. Mm-hmm. They had different cultures in it. But um, what I wanted to say, too, is that even though, and I, I did have a lot of experience in the Pentecostal church, I, I will say that I've seen uh, the most how, the most passionate prayers being prayed in the Pentecostal church. Man, yeah, I ain't gonna lie to you. Like, you know what I'm saying? The older saints would pray for hours, man, for, for God's people, for God's glory. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, um, there's some flaws in there, but there's also flaws in the reform faith, you know? Now, mm-hmm. so I, I'd rather deal with those flaws, yeah. honestly, than the ones I've been in. Yeah. Um, but one of the flaws I would say is that, uh, you know, we become so intellectual that we don't become devotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So the reform faith has, you know, that, you know, uh, beef with it that, you know, you end up being so intellectual you know that that you lose being devotional and i think yeah. we have to remember to guard that part too but some of us that came from that background that's the part that we got to take with us man it's, yeah it's something that i learned and see uh the older saints do is that they had the devotional down pat man they had the prayers down pat you know i want to take that with me and now pick up some books and dig into scripture and systematic theology you know and all the allergies that I run into now in the reform faith, you know what I mean? Honestly, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I see that as a blessing, honestly, that, that we have not had reform, you know, reform theology from the beginning for that mm-hmm. particular reason. I, I, I was telling my wife and I remember I was telling Martin and Victor uh, when when uh, we started the podcast, I was like, you know what? Like, I thank God that we have gone through this uh, type A church first before coming to a more uh, reformed faith because we can now help 
show how we evangelize because um in our now previous talk, church now you're talking about that every week we would go tuesdays we would go hit the streets street corners we go and evangelize every week and so uh coming to reform faith not many people evangelize even to the point where there's conferences about evangelism you don't hear about that in Pentecostal. You don't hear about that in non-denominational evangel- evangelical. You don't hear of conferences about um, evangelism, right? Because it's almost natural to talk about God to a stranger on the street. And so that, and so I see that as a blessing that 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 now we are coming to the faith because now it's almost like uh, the way I could best describe it is um, the first century um, church, how the Gentiles coming into the faith are now showing the Jews how it's done correctly. Right by the grace of God, and then with with us today, now we're coming into Reformed theology. Now we can help show our uh, "quote unquote" white Reformed brothers how to properly apply this head knowledge. Our 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 pastor Reverend Rudy, man, I I, I love I love him because he's always emphasizing everything. The, the the word of God shouldn't stay in our head. It should move from our head to our heart and to our hands. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. that way, theology then is properly applied to the body of Christ, that we may be a blessing to all those around us. Amen. Good. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Sister Ruby in the comment section, and, and not just her. There was actually a couple people throughout this episode because we keep on bringing up reform uh, as kind of a, a, the camp that we're in. They, mm-hmm. A couple people bringing up denominations and the dangers behind uh, denominations, the fact that they bring division in the body, but, and I, and I totally get that point right there, but the reality is, is that even if we don't say where we are denominationally, it's still going to exist. Yeah. It's kind of like the whole race thing. Race is a social construct, but the reality is it's true that it is made up and we made these things to divide one another so that there's division there. Right. But the reality is, is that we're not too, we're not so far removed from the hate, the, 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 the horrible sin that was slavery here in America that we're just going to forget that we're, there's a difference in our skin color. So it still exists. The fact that, you know, race is still real. Understanding when we look at one another, we're going to see race, even if we say that's something that we should get rid of because it brings division. Same thing with the, uh, with the with the denominations. Even if we got rid of the name, it's still going to exist. Someone's going to say, where are you doctrinally on this issue? Where are you at yeah. on this issue? So even if we don't use the name, those divisions are still going to exist. Um, and that's always been the struggle in God's body from the very beginning um, is that struggle to become one in mind, one doctrinally, um, while still understanding that we're, we're going to look at the scriptures differently than somebody else yeah I like uh, the scripture says that I don't you know we don't follow Paul right we don't Absolutely. follow Paul you know so none of them died for us none of them could cleanse us from our sin and so we're Christian you know and so I'm very slow to call myself a Calvinist you know yeah. for yeah. that reason right but at times I have to use that label right so that people can understand where I'm at theologically but I always put the footnote in there hey you know by the way Calvin probably wouldn't appreciate us calling ourselves Calvinists you know just a heads up you know the unmarked gravy guy um, but I still at times use it just for the sake of like communicating like this is where I land theologically um, but with the footnote of course but mm-hmm. 
I think labels are inescapable. I, mm-hmm. I just think that uh, we have to work hard again to make sure that those labels uh, are in their proper place, you know. But if someone said, for instance, hey, uh, the label of being uh, a one that's Pentecostal, I'm like, all right, thank, thank, thanks for letting me know. You know, what I mean? <laughs> now we got work to do. You need evangelize. Yeah. You need evangelize right now. You know, the, you know, so that. The labels are important. You know what I'm saying? Labels can be helpful. They can. They're not always going to bring us to hate one another. It just kind of lets you know where you're coming from. I just think you need to be mindful of them. You know, just make sure that, number one, we're believers in Christ. But to be a believer in Christ, there are some essential things, some dogmatic things we have to hold to that we can't compromise. You know, we have to know what those are and then go from there. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I, you know, honestly, bro, I think that dictates somewhat uh, the culture too. You know how you conduct yourself. You know because if you don't have your doctrine right, that affects the way you express your doctrine. Yeah. yeah. Or your your beliefs. You know what I'm saying? And so sometimes you develop a unbiblical culture. At that you know, I've seen people speaking tongues. You know, five or six different people at a service, and it's like, yo, this is whack. This ain't you know, thing of God. I was right, and. But that's the culture. You know, that's how we do things. If you don't like it, you leave. Well, you just made a culture, right? You know what I'm saying? The way of doing things. Uh, so anyway, I think the labels are important because they do kind of give us an idea of how you express that. Yeah. I, I think the wrong assumption, though, with the labels is is that uh, people that may identify as Calvinist or uh, Reformed is that we think we're the only Christians, the legit Christians. Or that we're the yeah, only ones that are saved. We get that Jew type of complex. Like, remember how the Jews did not, they were not so kind to the Gentiles coming in. Yeah. They, they had this idea that, you know, because the gospel came to them first, they are of, they are of utmost importance in the body of Christ. And Jesus even said it, those who are the greatest will be the least and the least yeah. will be the greatest. So he flips all of that upside down. Same thing with us as, we feel like we are more superior theologically than other people. Well, we're going to be the least in the kingdom. So be careful what you're saying. Yeah. And now what I, you're feeling like. Right. Not even saying, because sometimes we don't have to say it. We can just feel like yeah, that. Yeah. I, I'll definitely, though, you know, uh, <laughs> I'll aggressively confront someone on reformed theology over, you know, for instance, you know, uh, Arminianism and, you know, Wesleyanism. Uh, you know, I would definitely argue the point that y'all need to change some of your views. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I, I would be out to convince those guys that they're wrong about about things. You know what I'm saying? But with the sobriety that, you know, I'm flawed, I, I'm sinful, I need a savior. I still need a savior. Um, so I think the reformed faith for me, I think it's worth uh, presenting as opposed to other views that I believe are wrong, like Pentecostalism, I believe they're wrong. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I, Church of God in Christ, I think they're wrong on holiness and, and certain legalistic things. Um, but are there brothers and sisters in those camps? I I, I believe so. You know, I, yeah. I, I know some. But I, I, do I think they're wrong? Yes. You know, and does that mean I think I'm better? No. It just means that I think they're wrong. You know what I mean? And so... At the same time, you know, uh, though we respect and love them, um, I think we should all still be also out to convince them. Mm-hmm. Still, you know what I'm saying? Um, 
Yeah. So that, that's we, just me. We, we definitely got to do a whole episode <laughs> on the nominations one day. We've been waiting to have that topic, that, that, that conversation. I will, I will end that part of this section right here and just say that um, even, even, you know, if we run from these denominations, the, the, the simple fact is even non-denomination has become its own denomination. Yeah, it's, still, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a label. It's a label. <laughs> it's a label. Because if I say non-denomination, you have an idea of what, yeah, that, what, yeah, that, what that church is. Look, if, if, like. if your church plant, if a church is planting another church, you're you're planting a denomination. That's what it is. <laughs> if your church planting a <laughs> denomination, because you you're going to plant it with the same beliefs and the same structure that the original church uh, rolls by. <laughs> And you're going to plan another church that's going to hold to the same beliefs. And that's a denomination. You're going to yeah. support that church financially. You're going to, uh, uh, doctrinally, you're planting a church. If you're going to plant a church, you're planting a denomination. That's all I'm going to say on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, so I'm going I'm to ask this last question. I asked it earlier. I'll post it again. I asked it like 20 minutes ago and posted it, but then we got like on the tangent and we never got around to it. So. <laughs> We're gonna conclude with this one today. We got we got halfway through, guys. We had eight questions. We got <laughs> this is the fourth question today. <laughs> you can tell that we're all podcasters because we yeah, for real, we man. stretched every question, yo. And, and, and just so y'all know, I did not give my answer on the first three questions. So this 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 episode could have been so much longer. I had to keep on skipping my answers because you guys were coming coming with that fire, and, and so was the comment section. So. I'm going to end with this one right here. We're going to conclude with this one. And again, this is the topic that we're going to have to do a part two on. Um, can we be true to our own culture and serve Jesus at the same time? How do we balance this? Should we balance this? Uh, how do we deal with this right here? How we how do we navigate this one? Being true to the culture that we came up in and maybe we still embrace in a way and then serve Jesus at the same time. Can we do both? Yes, yes, we can, um, because uh, man, culture comes from God, man. Culture can glorify God, and uh, but there there is uh, a fine line uh, as Christians, because our identity ultimately is with Christ. Yes, I'm Mexican. Yes, you know, um, um, this is this is my ethnicity. This is where I come from. Yes. But Christ, I'm not going to die uh, for being Mexican. I'm going to die if someone tells me if I believe in Christ. I'm not going to be persecuted for being Hispanic. But if it comes to the point where if, if you're going to tell me, are you, a, are you a Christian or not? I'm going to say I'm a Christian. That's my, that's my identity. Yeah. So I stay true to the word of God, you know, um, denying my flesh, growing in holiness and doing, uh, growing in sanctification and teaching my kids, loving my wife and, and, and doing the things I have to do as a Christian. That's what I'm going to do. And, and the, the way we stay balanced is drawing a line. We do have to draw a line because, you know, yeah. I don't know about other cultures, but within the Hispanic culture, there are things that I can't do that I can't partake in. You know, um, like I said earlier, Roman Catholicism is part of the co Mexican culture. I can't bang with that. There's there's a holiday called Dia de los Muertos that is after Halloween. It's, you know, if you've seen that movie Coco, the Disney movie, that's what it's yep. all about. Celebrating the dead, yeah. giving ofrendas so that your loved ones can stay alive. It's, it's almost like a like a, a purgatory or yeah. a different, you know, eternity, yeah. you know? I had to watch that movie with my kids and I had to be pausing and be like, okay, this is this is what we don't believe in, right? Yeah, you guys can watch it. Yo, I did the same thing with my kids. I did the same thing with my kids, I did that with Coco, with Moana, with Hercules, you know what I mean? I got it because I can't, I can't, my kids are not going to escape that. So I'm going to, 
I'm gonna um, show them, but point out this is why it's wrong, and this is why we don't do these things. This is why we don't believe these things because number one, we're Christians. So there is yeah. a fine line that we have to draw, and to say that that I can't partake in this because I'm a Christian. So yes, I can stay true. I can get excited for Christmas time as a Hispanic because my wife's making tamales and pozole and having all the rich foods that culturally come from mm. our, our ethnic background. I can get excited for Amen. Those things. You know what I mean? Amen. As long as it's, it's not, a, it's not. As long as I'm not in opposition in Christ. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think, I think yeah. we can work it out like that. Good. Yeah. Absolutely. Justin. Yes. It's a short answer. Did you did you have anything? Because this is the conclusion. Did you have anything to conclude? Oh, this is the conclusion? Yes. Uh uh No, I, I pretty much left this one for, for Mark because I was prepared for another question. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All good, all good, all good. But I would like to say to... yes, we can. Um by uh well in the word of God, uh I think that's called the Bible, right? I was joking. Yeah, uh, yeah, we can absolutely. see examples in the Old Testament in Jeremiah. Jeremiah, um, during the time of exile, God is relaying a message through Jeremiah in 29, the most uh, quoted uh, chapter only because of verse 11, but yet it's overlooked the purpose of that chapter, how God is reassuring his people that he will return for them, that they will not be in exile forever. But he yep. tells them to, to, uh, um, he tells them, thus says the Lord in verse four and 29, uh, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel to the, all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives from your, for your sons and give your daughters into marriage um, that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in uh, its welfare you will find welfare. And then even if we go further back into Genesis 12, we see God making a promise to Abram before Abraham um, that he will exalt him. He will make him a nation and that he um, that as people will bless Abram, they will be blessed. And if they curse him, they will be cursed. But nonetheless, that Abram and 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 continuing from him, that they will be a blessing to other nations. And so with uh, the question, can we still be, uh, hold on to me, question. yeah, can we still be true to our own culture and serve Jesus at the same time? Yes, because we see a pattern from God through Old Testament moving forward to even the New Testament where God has always um, ordain his people to be a blessing to all people around them. And so while we are serving Christ, we can still be a blessing wherever we may be. And Christ being a Jew, Paul being a Jew and, and just seeing how they have not stopped being a Jew mm -hmm. from, you know, from Paul, uh, when, when he, um, was thrown off his horse, 
he didn't stop becoming a Jew and stop um, doing whatever traditions they were in. But mm. he held to Christ and the conviction that came with it as being a, mm. a Christ follower. And so in the same way, we serve Christ and we hold on to our conviction. Just as we talked about earlier of always reforming by the word of God, that we ourselves will continue to reform by the word of God. But still, at the same time, we could still continue to, to live life in, in, in a freedom, not obviously celebrating the Day of the Dead, not celebrating the holidays like Halloween, which I, I would even ask what uh, for anyone that celebrates is what's the point of even celebrating it? But now we, we celebrate Reformation <laughs> Day, right? But even then, yeah, we, we, uh, we, yeah. while we love Christ, we have a freedom to still be able to partake in things within our culture, in our family, wherever we, we are at with the conviction still that, that we are not to go past our conviction. Otherwise, it would be sin. So going back to the, the original foundation that you laid out, uh, Pastor Los, is that we have to remain godly all the while if, if anything within our cultural or ethnic culture is causing us to, to go outside the lines of being godly we need to really double check ourselves and even with today's culture um just in in america today anything that we are partaking in if it's causing us to step outside the realm of being godly we need to really double think of what it is we are doing and and pull ourselves back we reground ourselves back to the word of God and until we're ready to step out again and remain godly. Amen. What about you, Will? Um, I would say my thing is as long as we're preoccupied with conforming to his commands, um, pursuing um, godliness and, and putting in place you know, or at least not putting it, I wouldn't say putting it in place, but putting it into perspective that things of the world, they, they're going to waste away. They're not, they're not things we're going to take with us, man. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that that's what we should be preoccupied with. Now, how we express our joys and our affections to the Lord, like that's going to look differently, but we're all called to conform to his law, to his commands, to pursue the things that are not of this world you know that's that's our calling that's what we're supposed to do Christ is our greatest pursuit you know um, our greatest rest and um, we should just celebrate our differences and laugh at the differences at times too because there are some hilarious differences we do have with other cultures you know it's funny um, I guess what I'm saying is man when we're in the church we're in the household of God uh, laughing with one another, eating with one another, fellowshipping with one another—that's what I, I want to do, um, and uh, and enjoy the differences. I we have people that just you know sit there the sit still and know that I am God types, and then we have the uh, shout to the Lord types, you know. And you know what? I love both, and uh, we should celebrate that. And uh, thank the Lord that He delivered us from our disobedient nature. Uh, where we weren't um, conforming to his laws or commands. Uh, mm -hmm. We were loving and pursuing the things of the world. So, you know, that I think we could do that and maintain our culture and celebrate our cultures together. Um, and, and so let's just work at doing that. I know that's difficult in a multicultural church, 
Um, but that just, you know, bear with one another, like the scriptures say, and let's work it out. Um, I, I think, too, uh, it's not healthy to be territorial. Mm. What do you mean by that? So, like, you know, don't come over here and try to, you know, uh, take over, because that, that's sometimes a mentality uh, that, that we could have. When dealing with the multicultural uh, I places? Think, I think so. I, I think that's why values are, when you plan a church, I would encourage y'all to make sure you type up your values very clearly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that way when people come in, they understand that these are the things you value. Your values will dictate how you express yourself, how you look. Um, you know what I'm saying? Uh, part of our values, one of them has to do with the fact that we're celebratory in our worship. Mm-hmm. So that way when someone comes in, they're like, yo, why did sister and so-and-so raise their hand and why did they say hallelujah loud? It's like, well, that's, you know, we're celebratory with it. It's our value. That's literally on the page, yeah. on, the, on our on our website. Right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's okay. You know, sister so-and-so, if you only knew her story, where she came from, too. That's what I tell people. Like, you don't know sister so-and-so, what she's been through, you know, and she's here in the household of God worshiping the Lord with us. Um, that's okay you know and some other churches is not okay and that's yeah. okay too you know what I mean so like the values uh, I think are important at that point but I, I think we can maintain our culture come in be ourselves uh, and uh, I think sometimes too like Jesus uh, showed us uh, he came from the throne you know he uh, impoverished himself so that we could become rich I think there is a sense where it, we can't be about ourselves we can also have a chip on our shoulder about our culture mm-hmm. uh, and so you know we got to be careful with that too um, sometimes in humility we okay you know I, I'm not going to wear Tim's at this church you know because they invited me to speak okay I acquiesce to that out of respect and humility you know that's that's appropriate too so all I'm saying is you know uh, be humble uh, you know, and celebrate the differences, love one another, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes in all things. And then we can actually move forward as a church and be the body of Christ that the world desperately needs. You know, they don't need a divided church. They need a church that Jesus prayed to be one, as him and the Father are one. So <laughs> even even to continue that one, love does not exist in its own way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah man. Yeah. yeah. You know, and love, God is the embodiment of that, you right. know? And so he came and he didn't He didn't insist on people worshiping him, you know? He allowed it when it took place, but he came, Jesus came to be of the glory of the Father, not of his own. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And so there's something to learn from that, you know what I'm saying? And I, I'm guilty, too, of having that chip on my shoulder where y'all ain't going to tell me what to do. I'm going to come in as who I am. That's wrong, too. You know, I have to understand maybe I should come in humble and just, okay, I'll roll with the punches. You know what I'm saying? Like culturally, you know, maybe saying dope or, you know, things like that is inappropriate. Even though I got the the head of church extension talking that way now. So, oh, that's so I'm, 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 you know what I'm saying? I, I'm, I'm working on it. Um, but yeah, all that said, bro, all I'm saying is celebrate one another, love one another. And we can move forward. Amen. Right. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna need we're gonna need a uh, part two. Yeah. But uh, hey, before we head on out, uh, guys, did you guys want to uh, just let them know what you guys are doing, where they can find you at, um, even when it comes to the network that you just started up? 
Yeah, man. Go ahead and redeem projectradio.com 24-7 online radio. We got uh, Christian hip hop on Sundays. We got sermons. Uh, we got podcasts on there during the week. And, you know, all day, every day, it's going 24-7. So hit up Redeem Project Radio. This is a online radio station aimed at uh, urban people. Um, we've had RefNet. We have had other online ra- um, uh, radio stations that are, you know, are good. Uh, but there's more urban. There's more, you know, hood. So if you yeah. want to hit that up, RedeemProjectRadio.com. I think it's dope about the radio station is that on Sundays, we highlight pastors within the urban communities. Mm-hmm. So you won't have like your, your average, uh, typical... Um, I guess you know, you know when you think of reformed theology, you think of like Sprawl, MacArthur, and 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 um, Piper, and, you know, all, and and there's nothing against like white reformed men preaching the word of God, but on this station we want to highlight those colored, right? We want to highlight the Latino, the the pastor within the black community. We want to highlight everyone else so that they too can have an image up there that we also can can see and be like, man, I too can be a pastor just like that man right there. Yeah, so that's redeemprojectradio.com. Yeah. Uh, hit us up, reformrasa.com. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Uh, we've been lagging lately and putting out episodes um, every week, but usually we drop uh, episodes every week. So hit us up, reformrasa.com, and you can find us on Apple, Spotify, any podcast streaming platform. And also, too, if you want to help support us, you could also go to Wrath and Grace. The store where you could go and pick up a shirt, Reform Rasa. We're on yeah. there. Thank you, Johan. Shout out to Johan. Printing our shirts. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So you could go to our 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 website, reformrasa.com, and there's a tab that says merch. Click there and they'll send you back to Wrath and Grace for our shirt. There you go. Yeah. Oh man. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah. That's what's up. Most, did you want to close us out, man? This, this has been a great episode, man. Episode 75. Yeah. The Heart of the Gospel. And now I'm renaming it The Heart of the Gospel Part 1. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to, man. <laughs> well, uh, so every week we go on live at 9 p.m. Uh, here on Wrath and Grace. So make sure you check it out, uh, wrathandgrace.com. You can also s- subscribe to the podcast there. Um, excuse me. Or late night and my mouth is dry <laughs> from the drink right um, so wrathandgrace.com is our website you can go there also facebook.com slash groups slash the basement is our group page so make sure you go there and become a member of the group page where you get updates and you know all sorts of things there uh, and uh, yeah just make sure you pray for us and continue to uh, you know support what we're doing you know we're just wanting to encourage and exhort the church to the means of podcasting and so i think we've been doing that with dope brothers like uh the brothers we have on and so god is just again just using uh these things to you know to really reach our community and i think we have done that that was our our goal from the jump you know so yeah but yeah make sure you guys support us wrathandgrace.com facebook.com slash wrathandgrace I want to thank my brothers for coming on Support their ministry Uh, They gave the info already Uh, And so yeah it was a good episode And we appreciate y'all spending the time with us man Thank you so much Thank you It was really good y'all Thank y'all Thank y'all for joining us man Thank you for having us on man Yeah man Well this has been another episode of The Basement Where theology meets the thought of life We out of here God bless Great Because this is for my life